I'm reading today from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, starting with 19 through 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sin, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands? Reach out your hands and put it into my side and stop doubting. Believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Good old Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. How, how typical. Here comes, everyone's gathered there. They probably already started eating because Thomas was late and they didn't bother waiting. He's always late maybe and he just kept on going. Jesus turns up. Uh, appearing after his resurrection, appearing to his disciples who had been held up in this room, kind of worried, kind of fretting. And Jesus comes and stands among them. And John tells us that Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit into them and talked to them about the power of forgiveness. And 
basically was saying through the Holy Spirit, I'm giving you the ability to forgive each other and to seek forgiveness. And then Jesus leaves. And of course, Thomas shows up late. There's one of these in every crowd in there. Comes, uh, turns up late and then starts making all kinds of proclamations about what's what. Doesn't believe that uh, all this happened. Thinks that everyone's talking about him. And he says this, Unless I touch his side where he was pierced by a spear, and unless I put my fingers in the holes where the nails went through his hand, I won't believe all this story you're telling me. Well, you should be on time, Thomas. That's my first lesson today. If there's anything you take from this sermon today, it's be on time for crying out loud. <laughs> You're going to miss all the good stuff. <laughs> You're going to miss out on what's going on. My second lesson is, so a, a week later, they're gathered together again, and Jesus shows up just for Thomas, <laughs> so that he can get Thomas up to speed. And Thomas places his hand in his side, sees the nail marks, and then declares, My Lord and my God. Now he believes. Jesus says, Thomas, you believe just because you've seen these things, but blessed are those who believe and yet have not seen. Well, that's nice. That's, Jesus is kind of talking about you and me, right? I don't know if any of you have seen Jesus' presence in a way that allowed you to put your hand in his side and touch the nail marks in his, in his hand. I haven't. So Jesus must be talking about me there. I'm blessed because I believe and have not seen. But I dare say, before you start patting yourself on the back, I dare say that we all have an unless. We all have an unless that is a mark in the sand where we won't go and retain our faith. And for everyone, it's kind of different. Uh, I know a lot of people, you know, a lot of people I know, as a matter of fact, have very clear lines in the sand about things they believe. And if anything comes along to challenge those things, they either have to reorient their world, their world view to a way that puts them kind of outside of normal society, or their faith basically crumbles and falls like a house of cards. People have, for example, I, I, I was a youth pastor at a church, and our organist um, was convinced, she basically said to me that if the creation story in Genesis was not true, I'll get back to what's true, but was not true and factual, then basically the whole Bible is worthless. Well, now that's a pretty difficult theological corner to paint yourself into, but, but what it required of this woman is that she had to completely be dismissive of 
obvious verifiable facts in order to retain her faith. Now, other people look at that same story and they go, well, because it's not factual, there is no God. I think that's a pretty big leap too, actually. Because this isn't true, there is no, there is no God. Here's an irony. That same organist happened to work at the university's anthropology department, which was, f- <laughs> and, and uh, I, w- I would see the professors all the time, and they would, they would just talk about how they, they're constantly getting un- inundated with pamphlets and stuff. I'm like, really? You're going to take on Dr. So-and-so of anthropology <laughs> with this stuff? I thought it was very hilarious. And they were very gracious to her, but, but it really put this person outside the norm and when we when we build our faith on these very fragile houses of cards if our then it doesn't take a lot to pull out one card and have it completely crumble i find myself talking to atheists a lot because for some reason whenever we have a booth at the pride festival they like to put us right next to the atheists and i don't know why that is but i have a i have a lot of great conversations with these guys about the the God they don't believe in. And every time they start to describe the God they don't believe in, I find myself going, well, you know, that's not the God I believe in either. (laughs) I, I agree with you. I don't believe in that God. But we all have these things, these places that we're willing not to go. Now, maybe not for all of us, or at least I pray this is true, that a fact that a literal understanding of the bible that insists that god made the earth 6000 years ago i pray that's not your perspective but for some people that is the line in the sand that is their unless unless this is true i will not believe and a lot of people have said because this isn't true i will not believe now, for most of us, I think we're probably in a, in a softer, we're somewhere in between that and, and somewhere else, where there are things that come along that are very challenging for us to hear and to deal with. And uh, to some extent, one point or another, we're gonna ha- we have to say to ourselves, how important is this to my faith? And in fact, when I'm in Bible study, I often... And when I'm in a challenging Bible study, I encourage people to ask this question. When you hear something that is a bit earth-shattering and a, and a bit difficult to deal with, uh, for example, if I were to say that the book of John that we're reading right now, it really wasn't written by John the disciple. It was written, you know, about 70-something, 70, 80, almost 100 years after Jesus was around. So... It couldn't have been written by John, the beloved disciple. Now that might be earth-shattering for some folks. And you have to ask yourself, well, how important is that to my faith? How important is that that the, the name on the book matches who I thought it was compared to maybe what it says? And what I say about that is I look, well, what is it I have faith in that that who wrote it or what it says. I come to the conclusion, well, you know what? What's important is what it says and what it's trying to say. I don't really care who wrote it. 
I don't need that for it to, you know, it has its own authority because it says good stuff. (laughs) And so I don't need John's name attached to it. For other people, they would say, no, I'm sorry. That's ridiculous. And it would become this kind of house of cards. And it might be shocking to a lot of you to know that there are, that I've had, I had seminary professors who basically said that, you know, I, I don't believe you know, they basically said, well, I've, I've, I've lost the importance or the significance of a literal resurrection. In other words, what they're saying is, I don't know that I have to believe in that to understand the message of the resurrection. And so I'm not, I don't really ascribe to or spend a lot of time thinking about the resurrection or where we go when we die or things like that. And yet... Here these folks have patterned their life and spent their entire life following Christ, following the teachings of Christ, following the Word of God as it is conveyed to us in the Bible. And so that's a pretty, their line, their unless is way out there. (laughs) Other people's unless is pretty close. And sometimes I, I, I get frustrated with our unlesses. For example, I, you know, again, talking with atheists, we get, into a, we get into a tussle about whether or not there's a God. And I, want, I just want to say right now, that is the dumbest thing to spend your time arguing about. Because quite frankly, there's no way to prove it one way or the other. It's really a question that doesn't especially matter at the end of the day. Because you're not going to be able to prove it. What you're going... What we are tasked with, or what, what is more significant for us, is not so much defining what God is, that, mis- that mystery that's out there, is not so much defining all of that, but focusing on living out the Word of Christ that has been conveyed to us, that points us toward a communion with God. And, you know, the details kind of take care of themselves. And it doesn't especially matter what heaven is going to be like or what exactly God is. On a practical level, what we have experienced as followers of Christ is legitimate and real. I'm a better person for having looked at the teachings of Christ and said, this makes sense to me, this is is describing a better world, this is what I am going to pattern my life after, and this is the aspirations to which I will aspire. And if I can tell you this right now, if they found Jesus' body tomorrow, I don't know that my faith would change very much because the Word of God is conveyed to us through the Gospels and the experiences I have had as a follower of Christ and the community that has raised me up and, and, and the time-tested traditions that have nurtured my faith are rock-solid. And quite frankly, I, I don't need those facts or those proofs the proof is right here 
The proof is here. There's a friend of mine here from high school, and, and if anyone, anyone who knew me in high school knows that God has transformed my life because <laughs> I'm a different person than I was then, I think. I think, right, Lisa? <laughs> I'm a very different person than I was then. That's Jesus. That's the Holy Spirit. That's us together. That is the Word of God coming to us through the Gospels. And I guess my point I want to make today, I'm reminded of a parable that Jesus says, tells in, in Matthew and Luke and Mark too, actually, uh, about a man who built his house on, a, on sand and the wind and the rain came and it fell apart. And another man built his house on a rock and when the wind and the rain came, the house stood fast. I encourage us all to really look for a solid rock foundation on which to build our faith so that when the wind and the rain comes, we can still retain and hang on to that faith that has nurtured us and given us life for so long now. There is truth to be found beyond fact. A a truth that is more than factual in the words of the Bible. There's a lot of things that, that are not, by our modern standards, are not fact. But I can tell you this, it wasn't written that way. It, wasn't, it was written 3,000, 2,000 years ago. It wasn't written to be read as fact. It was written to be read as truth. And I encourage you to find the truth that goes beyond whether things actually happen this way or happened a different way. I encourage you to believe without seeing but believe out of your experience. You will know the truth of it. Amen? Let us pray. Our loving and gracious God, help us to define for ourselves our unlesses. And help us to examine them and really ask ourselves, how important is this to my faith? And I also convey, if it's, so, if it's really important to your faith, hang on to it. Better to have a, a faith than to not have one. May our faith continue to grow in who you are. May we continue to learn and seek out a truth that is beyond the debate about what is fact and what is not. May we seek proofs that do not rely on our putting our hand in your side or our finger in the nail holes in your hands, but proofs that are found in the Holy Spirit that you breathe into each of us and how we live into that reality. We ask these things in the precious and powerful name of Christ. Amen.